we're cycling through four stages of sleep during the night. Stage one is when we're falling asleep. Stage two is light sleep. Stage three is deep sleep. Stage four is REM sleep. Now, stage three and four are the, probably the most important stages because these really dictate how well we're going to sleep. What's up and welcome to the Very Best Self Podcast. I'm your host, Victoria Brown. Tune in each week as I have candid conversations with inspiring humans, including athletes, entrepreneurs, thought leaders, and anyone out there making waves. Get ready to leave your comfort zone behind, step into your power, and live a more purpose-driven life. I am so happy that you're here. Now let's do this. Welcome back to the Very Best Self Podcast. I am your host, Victoria Brown. Today, I have Louisa Nicola on the pod, you guys. She is the founder of NeuroAthletics, and we are going to talk all things brain health. And if you know me, you know that I am slightly obsessed with this category, this theme or theme category. What am I talking about? This topic, LOL. Um, I am. I'm really, really, really passionate about brain health. Like I just think, I don't know, I guess it's like on a personal note, I've seen, you know, so many of so many people in my family, uh, or people I love, people I know suffer from not even just in my immediate family, just in general. Um, from cognitive decline. And, uh, it's something that I'm very cognizant of. And so protecting my brain health is always something that I find to be really, really fascinating. Um, and so she works with like top athletes, um, you know, high level executives and everywhere in between, uh, to really train the brain. And there's a lot of things that we can do, you know, as the everyday human as well to, you know, make our time here last as long as we possibly can and to just kind of be with it, if you will. Um, so yes, I'm very excited for today's episode and today's guest. And without any further ado, we'll get right into it. Here we go. Welcome back to the very best self podcast, you guys. I know that I always say I am excited about guests, but specifically today, I am beyond over the moon. Just so excited to talk with you. I have Louisa Nicola on the podcast today, you guys. And the reason that I'm so excited, I feel like the people who are, you know, loyal listeners will know that I am, I geek out over brain health. I geek out over how we can preserve the longevity of our minds. And that is your expertise. So I am just, I mean, I'm over the moon. I'm so excited to talk with you today. So thank you so much for being on. Thank you, Victoria. I'm actually equally excited, mainly because every time I do one of these, it's with somebody on, you know, a different coast or even in a different country. And we just, you know, spoke about this offline. We're not too far away from each other. Yes, exactly. Which is so nice. Um, yeah, so she is the founder of NeuroAthletics. She helps high performers leverage neuroscience to achieve peak performance. Uh, you work with top athletes, you work with entrepreneurs, you work with high-level executives uh, to train their brains so that they can reach their maximum potential. This wow. is correct. Yes. Yeah. So I guess let's start with where you got into this and how you kind of became passionate. Uh, I know you were a triathlete yourself, um, and, an, you know, just an athlete in general. Uh, and so I'd like to talk about the beginning of your journey. Um, neuroathletics began, as I understand through a tragic accident that you experienced. So can you tell us a little bit about, you know, that experience and, you know, what led you to where you are today? <laughs> 
Yeah, it was, um, it's an interesting background. So I was a triathlete. I raced uh, for Australia and unfortunately two weeks before going to Beijing, myself and my two teammates at the time, we were hit by a car. So I was slammed up against a guardrail. I had to forfeit my position and had to go undergo surgery. So I didn't really get to race, but it was a, I see it right now as a blessing, if you will, in disguise, because that's what pushed me into neurology and neurophysiology, which is where I am today. So um, at the time of this happening, I had completed my undergraduate degree in exercise physiology. I was, you know, I was still young, um, maybe around 21, if you will. And then I soon moved into science and medicine. And after graduating, I, I was trying to understand more so high performance in the athletic lens landscape around 2014. And if you, you know, if you, you track back to then you look at some of the biggest teams, NFL, NBA, and I used to question why they don't have a neurologist or neuroscientist on board. If everything really revolves around the brain and that's what my ethos is, you know, everything starts at the brain. The brain is, you know, involved first and foremost in everything, all our bodily functions, our movements, our thoughts, our muscle contractions, it all starts in the brain. So I was, you know, really baffled to understand why these teams generating billions of dollars in revenue each year, why they just didn't have anybody like this on board, which was the birth of my company, Neuroathletics. And it was literally the intersection of neurology and high performance. Wow. So that was 2014. Uh, when yes. neuroathletics was kind of coming to the forefront and what would you say, how would you say that, you know, sports and athletics have kind of caught up at this point or are they still way far behind in your opinion? Yeah. Well, see, it's funny because I was talking um, about the role the brain plays in sport and this in 2014 and people would laugh at me. Um, in 2016, I flew, I'm from Australia. Um, so I was living in Australia at the time and I flew, I got asked to fly uh, to Malibu for a three-day conference with the Red Bull high performance team. And, you know, I gave a talk and I found my people and I was surrounded by, you know, the world's best athletes because it was all of the Red Bull athletes at the time. And back then they were doing what no other organizations were doing. They were putting so much money into research and science. And so that was really the start of, okay, great. I need to be in the U.S. to, uh, cultivate more of a, you know, our mission and vision of the company. So I think it's changed immensely, especially now as more people are understanding what the role that the brain plays in overall health. I think also the acceleration of neurodegenerative diseases worldwide has sparked an interest of people wanting to know more about brain health, which is great. And then, you know, technology, neurotechnology has um, come to the forefront and been invented, which is great. We're seeing things in the um, eye tracking space for elite soccer players, which we use. We're seeing wearable EEGs. Um, EEG is my primary modality in clinical work as a neurophysiologist. So that's great to see that. Then we're seeing wearable data, which we're now able to extrapolate some of the big data metrics of our athletes and, and put them into algorithms and figure out when are they going to perform at their peak. So that's seen a, a growing change in the landscape of high performance since 2014. So it's so 
multifaceted, right? So it's what we eat. It's the supplements we take. It's how we sleep. It's how we care for our bodies. So are people coming to see you and then you do blood work or how does it work exactly? Like, how do you treat people? That's that's a good question. So, um, neuroathletics is, uh, I would say the overarching theme of neuroathletics is we are at, we are an education company. We, we do consult. We've got two arms of our company. We have a coaching certificate where we actually go out the neuroathletics coaching certificate and we coach everyone from chiropractors, athletic trainers, even some physicians come and learn from us over a two-day course. And we do this at least once a month, you know, over the US and even in Australia. And so that's one reason why people come to us. We also have this other arm of it uh, where I am directly involved in it. You know, I have eight staff members, but I actually consult to 20 of the world's best athletes. No more, no less. I can't really take on board anymore. And it's by referral only, but this is mainly you're looking, you know, I'm talking to individuals who are trying to get, they're already at the best of their field, but they still want that edge. So we're doing everything from, we do blood uh, metrics what you know we're doing labs we're doing dna tests we're doing eeg scans we're doing mris we're um we're referring out for urine analysis we're doing um everything okay. VO2 I need max to come tests to one of yeah. these two day trainings is what i need to do i i teach at soul cycle yeah. so i work out 10 times a week at least and wow which one are you at i'm at 19th street nomad and bryant park you'll have to come take class um yeah yeah so I'm, I am a little concerned because I feel like my body is in a constant state of inflammation. Uh, I try not to ride all of the classes that I teach, but I think I could stand to learn quite a bit in caring for my body. So I'm, I'll have to talk offline with you about these, this two day course you were talking about. Cause that sounds like it could be of interest. <laughs> in all honesty, it came out of the birth that, uh, of the fact that I was going to, you know, I, I'm an Equinox member. Um, mm. so I go there uh, for my gym and I, I look around me and some, and I'm so transparent with the way I talk. And, um, sometimes it offends people, but when I look at the, the current state of education for these trainers, I am appalled because I've got two parents who are 70. Oh, sorry. My mom would kill me. She's not 70 yet. She's uh, two years away from that. Uh, my dad, however, is 71. Yeah. uh, My dad, however, is 71 and I take, I take control of their health. And at this age, they need you know, it's, it's really important that they're going to the gym. And when I see them going to the gym and they're getting their personal trainers, it scares me that these personal trainers don't understand the brain, especially if they're going to be coaching people at that age, you really have to understand the nervous system, the vasculature of the brain. And I, I, I put it out there saying you should have a degree to, you know, go and, and, be able to take somebody's health into your hands. So that's why it came out. And just the fact that, you know, we've certified over 500 people now and, um, you know, this year we'll probably do around 2000, but at first we thought, okay, this is just for trainers, athletic trainers, but now it's literally for everyone. And the reason being, and we're going to get into this, but now I'm getting fired up. If anyone's watching on YouTube, my (laughs) hand is up in the air. Okay. Um, 50 million people worldwide currently have Alzheimer's disease. And that number is going to triple by the year 2050. 97%. Let's be, let's, okay, let's triple. I'll be, 
yeah, it's going to triple. But if you have a look at the 50 million people right now who have got Alzheimer's disease, who have been clinically diagnosed from a physician with Alzheimer's disease, they're on some form of whatever they're on, their medications, whatever it is, they've got Alzheimer's disease. Around 95% of that 50 million have gotten there through lifestyle factors not through genetics. And we used to think 10, 20 years ago, this is a genetically driven disease, but we now know through GWAS analysis, we've got substantial evidence in humans to show that this disease is coming because of around 12 different risk factors that we can control. So that's why the course exists. <laughs> wow. So can we get into any of those those 12 today? Can I guess some of them first? Let's guess. All right. So you're probably going to- Let's gonna go. Me. Yeah. You're probably going to tell me to not drink alcohol at all. That's one I'm guessing. You're probably going to tell me that I need to be drinking <laughs> as you sip a glass of water. I sip a glass. I can't talk because I just flew off my headphones, um, which also anyone who's on YouTube could see. Um, to drink a ton of water, to stop drinking alcohol, to sleep well. Um, I'm going to guess take magnesium. That's four. Uh, let's, exercise. You're actually on the right track. Okay. okay but let's, me. let's make it a lot easier for people. Okay. So okay. when I talk about risk factors, now let's look at the disease at state, or let's look at neurodegeneration at the age of 30, our brain begins to atrophy. You're a soul cycle instructor. So you know what hypertrophy is. It's the increase in muscle cell size. So the opposite of that is atrophy. So decrease in cell size. That's what happens to our brain at the age of 30, just due to the natural brain aging process. We can't have the same brain at, at age 80 as we did at age 30. So that's already happening. We know that. When we look at Alzheimer's disease specifically, which falls under the category of dementia, dementia is the umbrella term. When we look at Alzheimer's disease, we know that there are genes involved in it. So if you've got this gene called the ApoE4 gene, you get one from mom, one from dad. If you've got one gene, it raises your risk of um, developing the disease by, I think it's around five times. And then if you have two genes, maybe it's um, seven to nine times the risk or maybe above. I don't have the exact metrics right now in my head. So let's just say you have those genes. When I talk about risk factors, I mean, there are things that you are at risk of if, you know, to turn these genes on and to, to accelerate the growth. Okay. So risk factors isn't magnesium deficiency as per se, it is exercise. It is sleep. It is metabolic dysfunction. It is nutrition. And then under nutrition will sit nutrient deficiencies, maybe magnesium deficiencies, you know, things like this. Um, under exercise, it sits, there sits um, neurocognitive exercise or neuroathletics or you've got resistance training and you've got aerobic and then sleep, there is quantity and quality. So many things exist under these three categories. And there's more. I, um, you know, there's around 12 to 17 risk factors. I don't tend to go past these three domains because these are the easiest to understand. And we have a hard enough time, you know, you and I both live in, well, I live in Manhattan, you, you know, you, you're in this area too. It's really hard to go above and beyond that. We need to first get sleep, exercise and nutrition right. And then we can move on to the fancy things. 
Yeah. Sleep, exercise, and nutrition. And so specifically you talk about resistance training. So a lot of people, you know, categorize, you know, I'm doing 10 classes of cardio, cardio and resistance training are very different. So, I mean, we push against the resistance on the bike. So there is some, there is a component of resistance training and typically a seven minute arm series per class. So you are lifting a little heavy, um, per class. Uh, I recently upped my weight this year. Maybe that, I don't know. That's good. Probably. Uh, that's amazing. Congratulations. <laughs> thanks. I've been using, so have you taken a soul cycle before? I have. Yeah. Okay. So for whatever reason in the seven minute, seven minute arm series, basically that goes on in every class, uh, it's for whatever reason, so much harder. I don't know why. Like, so I always used two pound weights and it would still be a giant challenge. So this year I upped it to three. Um, and I feel the difference. It's, it's really hard. I don't know why yeah, yeah. doing weights on the bike is harder. I don't know why this, I will never know. Cause I would never use three pound weights when I go to the gym. Like I would laugh at myself, like never, <laughs> but you're it's already like exerting old. energy, right? right? Yeah. But you're already exerting energy. So, yeah. So, so there's a difference. If we talk about resistance training, there's a difference between doing cardio and resistance training. So can you get into that a little bit? Perhaps. Yeah, I'm really happy you brought that up because there is, um, when we say cardio, we're looking at the aerobic system, you know, using the heart and lungs over the anaerobic system or over the resistance training system. And both play a really, really important role in starving off these neurodegenerative diseases, but also helping with functional and structural brain changes. In fact, um, I'm currently writing a paper, uh, a peer reviewed article, systematic review on the functional and structural brain train changes that occur due to resistance training. So aerobic training, you can think about aerobic training or cardiovascular um, fitness training as uh, long cycles or runs that are generally of a, a long period of time that you're exerting around a 65, maybe 70, 75% of your maximum heart rate. And that's great. And from the literature, what we know is that when we perform aerobic physical activity, and we're generally looking at around 150 minutes a week, and you're going well beyond that. So as a minimum, 150 minutes a week of cardiovascular um, training, what happens in the brain? Well, we have an area in the brain called the hippocampus. Have you ever heard of that? Mm -hmm. It's yeah. like this seahorse shaped structure deep within the temporal lobes of the brain. And it houses things such as our memory formation, consolidation, uh, learning as well. And that's the first thing that, that starts to atrophy when we get these uh, diseases such as Alzheimer's disease. Well, when we are doing aerobic physical activity, one of the biggest benefits is we have a, a massive release of this molecule or a hormone, if you like, called BDNF, stands for brain-derived neurotropic factor. And what that does is it is actually a growth factor for the brain. So it helps with the growth and proliferation of new neurons in the hippocampus. So new neurons, it that's neurogenesis. If we're creating new brain cells, a neuron is a brain cell. So we are creating new brain cells from aerobic physical activity. That's why this is so important. So that's the first thing. So you can actually grow the, that the hippocampus, you can grow it 
just through aerobic physical act, physical activity. Wow. That's the first thing that we get. Not to mention, not to mention also, which is really profoundly important, is we get blood flow to the brain. The brain survives on oxygen and nutrients. And the only way to get oxygen and nutrients is through blood flow. So just imagine, you know, all of the blood that's being pumped throughout your body, you know, blood goes up to the heart, comes out of the heart and goes to the organs and and the rest of the body. But what also happens is in the heart, you've got these two chambers that um, come out and you've got these, you've got vertebral arteries, Mm-hmm. And then you've also got the carotid arteries. They come out and they go into the brain and then you've got branching off from there. So your brain is also, you know, filtering out all this blood flow to the brain. So it's great. You know, we've got blood flow to the brain happening through aerobic activity. So that's aerobic. But then where I'm really interested in, and this is where what I'm writing about and, and studying is the effects of resistance training. And my gosh, it's, um, you know, when you do a a, a biopsy, of a, a muscle, you literally take out someone's muscle from their calf and you check wow. what's in there after resistance training. Yeah. The things that are released are just so important for the brain. So when you say resistance training, is that just lifting heavy weights or could that be going to a solid core class and doing, you know, the uh, reformer Pilates? Well, what we want to look at is getting into a structured resistance training, weight training session depending on how fit you are. So for example, you could um, probably get the exact same benefits by doing heavy weights at around 80% or 70% of your max of your one repetition max. As my mother, who is not as strong as you and not as, you know, not as trained as you, and she could maybe get the same benefits from just doing a wall sit. It just depends on how fit you are. But let's, let's talk about women or, and men in their thirties and forties where, you know, where these routines really matter. You generally want to be working out resistance training three to four days a week. You want to be okay. focusing on around four to six sets and each set you want that to be around 75 to 80% of your one repetition max. So if you can imagine that, that's quite hard. If your yeah. one RM for a squat is a hundred kilos, you're generally doing six reps or four to six reps of 75 kilos. Jeez. Okay. So you got to be doing that three to four times a week per month. Yeah. Like, so you, you know, don't obviously do legs all day or in the entire time. However, we do know, and this is a controversial subject, but we do know that the quadriceps or, you know, which is the largest muscle in the leg, it's on the front of the leg. We know that as you build those, it's going to be much greater effect on the brain than if you build your deltoids. Okay. Wow. That's, that's fascinating. Like knowing exactly which muscle group is going to benefit your overall brain health. Like that's crazy. Yeah. Well, it's gotten so granular. Well, here's the, here's uh, the hypothesis more. So what happens is the muscles have, have a storage unit. Okay. So when you contract your muscles, they release these myokines. Myokines are muscle-based proteins and they are actually in the skeletal muscle. So when they contract, they shoot out these myokines and these myokines go into the bloodstream and then they go and connect to different organs on the body. 
most prominently, they go into the bloodstream, they go up, they cross the blood-brain barrier, and then they go into the brain and they have an effect on different areas of the brain. Frontal lobe, which houses our executive functions, temporal lobe, um, which thing you can go into even the growth of the new neurons in the hippocampus. So that's why it's so important. Now you would think, well, why leg muscles over, you know, your little biceps? It's because there's more there. There's more right. um, muscle units. Um, and then, you know, in terms of vector size, they're larger, but also have a th- think about the blood flow again. You've got all these veins as well in, in your legs. You've got right. veins all over your body, but you've got right. them in your legs. Now, veins are different to arteries. Veins are a one-directional pump. So they don't flow like arteries do. You have to squeeze them together for the blood to be shot up through the, up to the brain and then up to the heart. So you're, muscles being, you know, your leg muscles being so big, they're squeezing those veins together, which is also helping with blood flow. I mean, it all makes sense. It's just, I would hope so. (laughs) We just have to be like considering all of these things. I mean, I think in the moment it's, it's hard, you know, to think about Mm -hmm. who you want to be, who you're going to be 10, 20, 30, 40 years down the line and, and trying to take care of yourself today so that you see the results that you want in the future. It's, it's a lot, it's overwhelming to a lot of people. Um, but making these small changes and adding these certain things into our lifestyle can really make a huge, you know, impact. Uh, yeah, everyone can do it. And you have to start in your thirties and your forties because these neurodegenerative diseases don't just, it's not a timestamp, a one time in your life, like at 70, Oh, you just got Alzheimer's disease. No, it happens 30 years before you get diagnosed. So you and I right now, I'm not um, making um, any presumptions about your age whatsoever. Uh, I am in my early thirties and I think about this stuff already. And I think about at age 70, well, what do I want to be doing? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And yeah, we're on the same exact page. So ne- my next question to you, cause you work with, I know mostly athletes, but also uh, entrepreneurs and, you know, very high level executives. So how does, does brain training uh, differ between those two sectors? No, no. Um, everybody has a brain. Yeah. Everyone that comes to me has a brain. Therefore we can work on it. So I like to tell everybody that you are all athletes we just have different Olympic events. So yeah. whether you're a mother, which by, you know, I, I, I see mothers and I'm like, well, that's like a huge Olympic course of that's like, a, that's like a, a decathlon. That is a, sport. is a sport. I've <laughs> seen it. I've seen it. Um, yeah, it's, it's crazy, but whether you're a mom, a dad, a high level executive, um, whether you're a sales person or whether you are LeBron James, you all have to be training like you are an elite athlete. And I I really hate when people say, I don't need to do that. I'm not an elite athlete. It's like, but, but you have a brain and imagine if you trained like an elite athlete or you treated your body like LeBron does, you know, LeBron spends around one to $1.5 million on his body a year. But imagine if you could do that for yourself, how much better would you be as a salesperson? How much better would you be as a banker? How much better would you be as a day trader? I have a lot of day traders. Um, we, you know, I go in and I, I do a lot of corporate events with hedge fund and portfolio managers and I see them burning out. And then I see them burning out to the fact that when the, when the clock strikes 4 PM, they're down at the pub drinking their sorrows away because they're like, what happened today? How much money did I lose? I don't know how to handle it. So if they're treating their brain like an elite athlete, they'll probably be able to be much more successful than what they are. 
Yeah. I mean, sadly that would drives people, I think almost more sometimes like, let me take care of myself because I want to be successful, not because I want to live a long, you know, life long and healthy life, Yeah, but you know, whatever drives you drives you, you know, <laughs> I guess at the end of the day, as long as you're, you know, the end result is the same, that you're a healthier version of yourself. So, I mean, that's good. So what are yeah. some beyond, is there are any, are there any other healthy brain habits that we can all adapt no matter who we are? Technology is, is there completely anything free. That? Okay. Sleep is free. Let's talk about sleep. Let's talk about how important sleep is. So sleep, we are, um, we're cycling through four stages of sleep during the night. Stage one is when we're falling asleep. Stage two is light sleep. Stage three is deep sleep. Stage four is REM sleep. Now stage three and four are the, probably the most important stages because these really dictate how well we're going to sleep during stage three of sleep, which is our deep sleep. Um, it's when our body releases all of its hormones, most of its hormones. We've got um, massive surges in testosterone for men, women with massive surges in estrogen. We've also got um, the release of growth hormone, which is responsible for protein synthesis and muscle repair. So if you are going to the gym or if you are an athlete or just an everyday person, you, you're getting the regeneration of your muscles happening during that stage of sleep. We also cycle through the glymphatic system. So just like the body has a lymphatic system, our brain does too. So during deep sleep, your brain is getting to work. It's washing out all of the toxins and all of the debris that build up throughout the day. And so if you're not getting into deep sleep for a certain period of time throughout the night, your brain is going to build up these toxins, these metabolic wastes. And over time, it's going to accumulate and that's not good. Um, then we have REM sleep, which is rapid eye movement sleep. And this is really important. It's um, our emotional first aid, but we also have memory consolidation happening during that stage and learning. So it's really important that we're getting into that. Um, so some of the best sleep uh, hacks, I hate that word. I don't want to use hacks. Um, probably some of the best sleep tips I have is first work on cons consistency. So try and be in bed each day at the same time. Wow. That's and hard then, to do. Yeah. Well, it is, it just, you know, for me, I, I go to bed every night at 10 PM. It's just lights out at neuroathletics as well. That's what we have on all of our programming. So you can use um, supplements to help you get there. Magnesium, L3 and 8, GABA, gamma amino butyric acid, inositol. Some of these things are going to help you calm your mind down and put you into sleep. I am very lucky in that place. I just, pass out. I sleep anywhere. I can just, yeah. I, I'm so, I've been that way since I was a little kid though. Like I can literally fall asleep at a concert. <laughs> wow. Okay. Yeah, I'm not kidding. Um, I'm, I, yeah, I just pass out. Um, okay. So curiosity, uh, technology, um, is it mm. bad for our brains? Do you have information around, you know, the way that we toggle from app to app or we have 17 tabs open on our computer and we toggle between things. And then we, you know, how just this day and age, the way that there's just constant notifications coming in and we just don't have the ability. I feel like I can't speak for everyone, but I really suffer from focusing on one thing at a time. And I fear that's not great. Yeah. Uh, one of the first things to go um, as we age is our focus. And that's just because we're more stressed as we get older. 
Uh, we've got a lot of things going on, but also our, you know, we, we do get atrophy in those cognitive functions and multitasking is, is not an, you know, doesn't, your brain can't, you know, look at two things and be 100% in both. You're really doing this thing called task switching. So having all of these multiple tabs open may not be good for you and training your brain in the focus regions. However, in terms of uh, technology, you know, such as TikTok and the motif- the the notifications that are coming up, what we're seeing happening is you're depleting and changing, you're depleting your storage system of dopamine. So dopamine being that molecule of vigilance, goal setting and motivation and drive. You're, it's meant to be there to serve as a progression forward. You know, how we get up in the morning and we go to work and we tick off that box because we know we've done a good job or we're in pursuit of a, a goal. You know, if we go to, you know, if we go to do something that is working towards our big goal, whether it's financial or fitness or health, we get a release of dopamine, which tells us our oh, good work. You've done a good job. I want you to keep pushing towards that goal. What happens is we only have so much of that. We can't just go and ingest dopamine. You know, we only have a a finite amount each day to use and we're wasting that on these notifications. We get a notification and we've just gotten a hit of dopamine out. It's like, oh, it's exciting. And then over time, we just keep, you know, you you get these notifications and then they just don't feel like they're working anymore. So then you switch over and you're like, I want a notification from, Instagram and TikTok. And then it's, you know, it's exciting and it just doesn't feel good. Then it's like, I want Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, LinkedIn, this, that, whatever, wherever you're getting these notifications from. And then over time, you've just, it's just not good for you. You've rewired your brain. So it's a long-winded way of saying it's not too good for the brain. And yes, it's rewiring our brain. Yikes. That's terrifying. (laughs) My fiance is a lawyer. And so he is, he can't even have he can't even be on the computer, like working on something. And if I'm walking around the house and I ask him a question, it'll take him like six minutes to even acknowledge me because he's just like narrow focus. He narrow focuses on whatever he's doing. And he does, he like cannot do more than one thing at a time. Mm -hmm. And I'm just like, uh, I want to be like that, but I have quite literally probably rewired my brain. It's not great. Yeah. You have to come to the course. I do. I'm so glad I've met you because I need to go. Um, wow. I'm so fascinated by all of this. Um, there's so many more questions that I have here. I'm trying to think of what else, uh, let's talk about alcohol as, as a, as a final. Oh, and I want to know also about, there's two things I want to know about. I saw on your Instagram about a study done in, in mice that you talked about, about choline. Is that how you say it? Choline? Choline. 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 Uh, deficiency. And uh, specifically, I've been seeing a lot around beef liver um, recently kind of surfacing on the internet. Um, And so you linked those two things somehow. I wanted to talk about that and I wanted to talk about alcohol. (laughs) Yeah. Firstly, um, you know, every time I discuss alcohol, people tend to hate me because, um, you know, it turns out that no amount of alcohol is good for the body or good for the brain. There is just not a, um, there is, you know, when you look at it mechanistically, when you ingest ethanol. It's not like it's going anywhere good. Um, in saying that one drink probably won't hurt you. However, um, I, I put a reel out, um, where I, I quoted a really famous, um, and well-documented study in humans that showed brain atrophy from drinking. And the 
you know, at the end of the study, it showed the protocols and it turns out that moderate drinking, which is now for women classified as seven drinks a week, which if you you look around, you know, I don't drink, but um, I do see women who are like, I could down 12 drinks a week. Well, that's scary. So the study was done um, just doing 12 drinks a week, uh, seven drinks a week for women and 14 drinks for men. And over a period of time, you can see structural changes, meaning that it really goes through and eats away at your brain, brain tissue, gray matter, and also uh, eats away at the white matter, which is the myelinated part of the neuron. And that's how we have that speed of thought, speed of you know um, action. It's our processing speed. So I, I, I hate it too, because you know it'd be great if we could all just drink wine every day, right? So. Yeah, unfortunately, alcohol is uh, is just not not good when for you, you. I'm sorry. Have done when you've made damage or your the brain has atrophied a bit due to drinking alcohol, you can reverse that. Or what has already atrophied is just the way it is. Yeah. So here's the thing. So there is um, what we know is let's look at let's look at the study that was done on heavy smokers. So someone who has done all the damage from smoking, if they cease to smoke and not have any cigarettes, they can actually go back to baseline within five to seven years, which is crazy, right? Yeah. Imagine all this damage that you've done to your your lungs and you can go back to baseline wow. just by not having a cigarette with, you know, for five to seven years. So that's exciting. Now the brain is different because it's like if you have a stroke, the death of a neuron, you have an occlusion of a blood vessel in your brain and it kills off some of the neurons. And that's what happens, you know, in strokes, you don't regenerate those neurons. So we can't get neurogenesis in the brain the same way that you can in the hippocampus. So unfortunately you can't revive what happens during the brain in that stage. Wow. That's terrifying. I'm currently sober. Gonna- that's great. Currently? <laughs> oh, you're, you're going to be no, I am. Uh, it's been oh, that great. long. It's been about three weeks, I think. Not even, maybe, but I'm I'm on my journey. I've given it okay. up. I've given it up. Were you one of those moderate drinkers? Uh, I don't think I even had seven a week, maybe, but okay. Uh, but I did. I was drinking um, weekly, um, but I just don't feel as good. I just don't feel good, and I I have yeah. It just brain fog, yeah. and I'm like, I don't. I just don't want to feel that way. Like I just don't. So yeah, it, um, and here's another thing that's really interesting. So it actually prevents you from getting into sleep. Ethanol, which is the active ingredient in alcohol that gives you that, you know, that makes you feel the way you feel. And the reason why we all drink it is just like, it's a sedative. It's, it's ethanol is a sedative and what it does is it knocks you out. So it sedates you. So it doesn't allow you to get into sleep, which is another reason why it's so bad for you. Yeah. It actually goes through and completely plummets your REM sleep and plummets your deep sleep. So you might sleep for eight hours, but you're not getting the proper sleep that, that lets your brain reset and recalibrate the way that we, we just need. Um, oh, that's so interesting. Um, cause some it people, just knocks someone, you out. So it sedates you, right? Someone might say, you know, well, I don't suffer from those issues when I, I sleep like a baby because they get eight hours, nine hours, 10 hours, whatever it is, but it's not quality sleep. Got it. That's interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. And lastly, choline, choline, choline. <laughs> yeah. It's actually the reason it's, it's, it's 
it's, it, it helps with the production of acetylcholine, which maybe you've heard of. No. Okay. Well, acetylcholine. Um, so it's a neurotransmitter, which, you know, it plays a, a role in our brain. So when we have these, um, so we've got 87 billion neurons in the human brain around that. And in order for them to fire together and create an action potential, when they fire together, they, um, I'm not going to try and get into the science of it, but when one neuron meets another neuron, there's a release of these acetylcholine receptors. So uh, we need acetylcholine for everything that we do in the brain. And choline is required to produce acetylcholine. Okay. So that's why choline is really good for the brain. Uh, and choline can be found in beef, beef liver, which is what I, I think you're referring to. I must've put that up because, you know, some of the biggest sources is first and foremost beef liver and then egg yolks. So, um, you know, consuming foods that are high in choline are really good for the brain. So do you eat beef liver like every day? I actually don't. <laughs> I don't eat, um, I don't eat beef liver every day. I, I, I do eat red meat. Um, I'm not a, I'm not a liver king follower. I'm not a carnivore MD follower. Okay, got it. But, um, this has just been popping up randomly on my Instagram so much. Of course like people are talking about beef liver and how good it is for you. And I had never literally ever heard of that before. And now all of a sudden it feels like out of nowhere, everyone is talking about how you need to be eating beef liver. And I'm like, what the heck? And then I saw it on your page. I was like, okay, maybe someone can finally tell me what this craze, this new craze is all about. Well, uh, do you know the liver king? No. Okay. So the liver, I can't believe we're having this discussion, but the um, liver king is um, this man, he's a real man um, and he's uh, huge and extremely wildly famous for promoting this lifestyle called the ancestral living. And he's got like these 10 or 12 tenants for ancestral living, meaning that if you live this way, you will become an ultimate man. He, um, I think he amassed about a two or 3 million, uh, followers in a year. And he's notoriously known for eating raw beef liver. If you just look him up, you see him every, he eats, he's very, he eats raw testicles. He eats raw beef. So this is where the craze has come from. So I will not uh, be eating raw and he's anything. (laughs) Yeah. And so he promoted this lifestyle of, if you eat raw liver, you will get like me. And then um, a video was leaked, I think eight weeks ago that went completely viral that showed that he actually takes, I think, $10,000 per month worth of hormones and synthetic um, injections. So he really, you know, so I, I would caution everybody to really assess where you're getting your information from, because this is the thing that really discredits um, practitioners and science and scientific integrity. So I'm not saying that you don't have, you know, beef liver at the end of the day is filled with choline, but you can get choline from many different ways. An egg, have an egg a day. I love egg yolks. I hate, I hated when like years ago, they're like, don't eat egg yolks. They're bad for you. And I never listened to that because I love them. I've always loved them. So I'm like, (laughs) yeah, that's that whole uh, cholesterol myth, right? Yeah. Shout out to happy Don't eggs. Egg I'm trying to get them to sponsor me as those are my favorite eggs. I'm obsessed with them. Have you had happy eggs? What a happy, 
No, there's... but they sound so much better than my regular eggs that I've got. Oh here. my gosh. Okay. So they're very like, I don't know about the eggs in Australia, but, um, anywhere in Europe, you have an egg that's like fresh. The yolk is orange. It's not yellow. It's never yellow in America. All of the egg yolks are yellow. Happy eggs are, um, so they are, oh gosh, now I'm going to blank on it, even though I literally know everything about them, um, pasture-raised eggs. And so, um, there's like a many, there's like so much you can learn about eggs. And, um, so pasture-raised eggs do not typically get the organic certification. And the reason for that is because they literally, it can't be quant, it can't be quantified or qualified or like you, in order to do have the organic certification, you have to be able to track exactly what the egg, what the chickens are eating, right? So pasture raised eggs are like they're above organic eggs because as long as they're being raised in a nice place, but they kind of they roam the the land free, right? You can find an organic egg, like they might call them um, farm raised or what do you call them? Free range, sorry. So there's free range chickens, and then there's pasture raised, and then there's organic. There's like many different levels to all of this. So the best eggs you can buy are, as far as I understand it, are pasture raised eggs. So they just live off the land. They eat what they find, worms, grass, whatever they want to eat in off the land. Uh, and those are the best kinds of eggs that we can eat. Um, I am a psychopath. I spend $12.99 for a dozen of eggs because I am this obsessed with happy eggs. I love them that much. They taste okay, like so, so much better. They are so rich. Like I can't even describe to you like how good they taste. Are they, so I get eggs. I, I shop at Whole Foods. Are they got a black label? No, it's a blue box. It's okay. a blue carton um, and a blue label with like- From Whole Foods? Um, I get them at my corner market. I will go to their website, go to their Instagram, see where they sell. I have never, ever- loved an egg so much. I'm not kidding. I'm like, I reach out to them all the time because I'm just like, can you guys sponsor me? Cause I'm literally, I'm literally so obsessed with their eggs. I love them. Are you talking about the corner street on one near 100 J? Yes. That's the where I get them. Yeah. The dump. Yeah. yeah. I, I um, think, okay. Is it called Dumbo market? I don't know. The one across from Devocion, yeah. the coffee shop. Um, yeah. um, okay. Cause I'm going to get those, but, um, you know, I, when I go back to Australia, which I go back quite often, I'm going back next week. Um, my brother has 25 and his wife have 25 chickens. Um, and so you'll see, follow me on Instagram because I always put it up on Instagram and they're producing these, they're producing different colored, like they're producing yeah, yeah. just the shell. Like there's blue eggs, there's white. When you so open what? happy eggs, they're all different colors. They're not the same. I'm going and getting some happy eggs. I'll reach out to them as well. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Okay. So eat your eggs. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Okay. So last question I'll ask you is if there's one piece of advice you could give your younger self, what would it be? To detach. I've recently, um, as of this year, 2023, my word is detach. And, um, and I've never actually spoken about that, but it's uh, detach from everything in like, sometimes my own thoughts, you know, um, I have a tendency sometimes to overthink. I'm, uh, I'm very cerebral and I overthink sometimes. And maybe I go down this well, it's so make believe like if you think it's like, how did I get here? Um, so it's detaching from that, detaching from the opinions of others that, you know, just don't serve me really are not warranted. Um, and detach from outcomes that just, don't serve me if uh, something 
if I do something and it just doesn't work out, it's like, okay, detach, move on. So that's, I wish, and it's going really well. <laughs> it's going really well. It's just a very hard thing to do because it's you have to put into place. But I mean, if I was, if I had this advice at 23, phew, yeah, wow, life would be inherently different. I, I like that a lot. That's a great answer. Well, thank you so much for being on. I really appreciate you. This was so fantastic and I learned so much. So thank you. And I will continue no, down my, you, so, my server journey. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. All right. That is a wrap on today's episode with Louisa Nicola. Um, you guys, she is just fantastic. Like so, 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 so smart, um, brilliant. And I don't know. I just feel like I learned so much and I feel like I could never have these conversations honestly enough because, you know, I have done a sober journey in the past. I was, I did like a hundred days that I gave up alcohol. And then, you know, after that I was like, okay, I'll have a couple drinks here and there. And then it's not that I've ever had any kind of issues with drinking. Luckily I have not. However, like it just kind of seems to always filter its way back into my life in, in one way or another. And so I'm back again on the not drinking train. Uh, and that's feeling really, really good. Uh, so I love checking in with these kind of conversations because it's just like that reminder that what I do today shows up in my life 30 years from now. So, you know, immediately it might not have an effect, but down the line it does. And so I want to be just on top of that. And I don't know, sometimes it's really nice to have those reminders. And so if you're someone uh, who needed that reminder today to, to take care of yourself and maybe to give the reminder to people you love to take care of themselves or, you know, give this, this episode a listen, um, cause it might be of help, then we're in the right place. So anywho, you can follow me on Instagram at Victoria Brown at very best self as well for our podcast handle. You can follow Louisa on L at L O U I S A Nicola N I C O L A underscore. And you can also follow at neuroathletics. Um, if you want to see kind of a deeper dive into what she's doing and what she's practicing and what she's teaching, um, yeah. So that's it for today. I will see you guys next week. Thanks so much for being here. I honestly, from the bottom of my heart, I appreciate you. So please share this, inst this message, this Instagram, this, I can't even speak English, share this episode on Instagram is what I wanted to say. Uh, and that's a wrap for today. I'll see you guys next week. Bye.